you're listening to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University, uh, continuing along in our series of shows that are curated by our doctoral students here at Centenary University. I'm very, very proud to welcome into the studio tonight, along with my co-host, Fran Gavin, and myself, Tim Fredericks, our uh, doctoral student who is curating the program, Rhonda Pavoris. Rhonda is going to introduce uh, her special guests and uh, lead the conversation. So, Rhonda. Thank you, Dr. Fredericks. I'd like you all to uh, enjoy the company of some of my colleagues. These women have really gone out of their way to not only promote a great SEL, social emotional learning program at my school, but to help me learn and grow as I learn about the program. And so we've worked hand in hand to make sure that all of our students are benefiting as well as teachers, staff, family, and the entire community. I have with me tonight, Ms. Frances Spann. She is our school social worker, um, not only in my school, the entire district, but one of the neighboring schools as well, Union Township School District and Franklin Township School District. And I also have Mrs. Millie Wingler. She is a learning disabilities teacher and consultant for both school districts as well. And she also runs a yoga studio called Hug a Tree Yoga. And Mrs. Wingler is always one of the first ones to give us a great relaxing, calming technique, and I hope we're able to fit in one of those segments toward the end of our program this evening. So tonight we're going to detail our team effort in order to get a social emotional learning program established at my elementary school. We've taken two very amazing worthwhile programs called the Zones of Regulation and Sensational Kids, and we've combined them to meet the needs of our school, which is a small rural school. And we've kind of squished the names together and we call it our Zen Zones approach. And so our students in preschool through fourth grade have benefited not only this school year, but last school year as well in coming up with this program and practicing with it tonight and throughout the school year. Uh, Ms. Spann and Mrs. Wingler will go through the parts of the program and how they've benefited our students and how we've incorporated that into a daily school day. Before getting to know what an SEL program is, it's important to understand SEL. And, you know, as a new principal, I've, I've heard of this magical term, but I didn't really understand the amazing significance and importance that it really has on our young learners. Um, so according to CASEL, which is the Collaborative for Academic, Social, and Emotional Learning, SEL is the process through which all young people and adults acquire and apply knowledge, skills, and attitudes to develop healthy identities, helps them manage emotions, and it helps them achieve personal and collective goals. It allows them to feel and show empathy for others, maintain supportive relationships, and make responsible and caring decisions. That is a lot. That is a lot for an adult to handle. It is an amazing undertaking for a child to handle. So as a leader of a school and with this great team that I bring to you tonight, we took upon ourselves to teach the children how, how to do all of these wonderful things, how to manage our feelings, how to grow, how to learn. But we had to figure out that process for ourselves first. So I, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm very, very uh, gracious and appreciative to my team. In wondering why an SEL program was important for my school, I had to understand what we had, but what we were also lacking. And, you know, we've had character education programs throughout our my years, 20 years as a teacher in the school, um, but nothing really stuck. Nothing really, you know, got the students to use the language, to use the jargon, to talk about it, to understand it, to appreciate it. And so... Within my class, you know, I, I had a class a few years ago and, you know, I, I called them emotional because they had so many deep feelings, but we didn't know how to manage those emotions so that we could get through to the learning. So Mrs. Wingler and Ms. 
uh, Ms. Spann, she, they, we all worked together and they, they said, Rhonda, there is this program, it's called Zones of Regulation. We need to look into this. And as I read the book with its colors and its ideas, I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is what we have to do. I said, teach me, teach me everything. And in just a few quick moments, Ms. Spann will tell you all about the four colors in the zones of regulation. We worked through it and we took the time to teach the staff and to teach the students. And, you know, we live it and we practice it every single day. So throughout the program, I look forward to telling you how we did this and why it is successful and how I hope to keep it running throughout the next many, many years. So I'd like to turn the program over to Ms. Frances Spann, again, our school social worker, and she's going to talk to you about the zones of regulation and the four main colors. Frances? Sure. Thank you, Rhonda. So the zones of regulation it's, is an emotional regulation curriculum that was developed by Leah Cuppers. She is an occupational therapist uh, who I think is out of Minneapolis or she's in the Midwest. And her program has been embraced by Social Thinking, which is an organization that um, promotes a lot of uh, social thinking, social decision-making materials. Um, the zones of regulation, what it strives to do is, first of all, cultivate in students awareness of their emotional feelings, not only the feelings they're experiencing, but how their body is responding to different um, emotions that they're having. And after, you know, once, you know, it's ongoing work around developing self-awareness about our emotional state, and then next strategies to manage emotions, particularly, and, and of course, it's focused for school. So what the zones of regulation does, it categorizes feelings into four general zones and color codes them. So the blue zone uh, would be described as the one where, you know, your energy is low um, and just slower moving. Basically how I'm feeling about this point in the day um, where, you know, you might be feeling tired or bored or just moving slowly. And uh, so that's, that's one zone. The green zone is the zone that we really are hoping kids can get to in the day. And that's where, you know, we're feeling calm, we're focused, we're in a generally positive mood, we're, we're ready to learn, we're basically okay. The yellow zone is the one that we see, you know, students and staff move into when they start to feel stressed, okay? It might be frustration over work demands. Um, it could be, you know, feeling nervousness over a test or an anxiety, you know, a test or a quiz, um, or, you know, the students who start to feel really silly and, you know, are just start feeding off of one another, maybe they're struggling to sit still, pay attention, they're playing with pencils or, you know, uh, just maybe antagonizing one another sometimes. So that's when you start to see some of the yellow zone. There's a heightened level of energy, but it encompasses a variety of feelings. The red zone is when the student has moved into kind of the out of control zone where they are so angry or upset that they have lost control. And that's kind of the key feature. They've lost control. So it's a very heightened uh, physical response. So, you know, it would be evidenced by yelling or screaming, crying. Um, you know, it's also the student who may have totally shut down, who's, you know, under their desk, in a cubby, refusing to come out. Um, it's important to keep in mind the red zone also captures those very elevated joyful feelings, such as being elated the way, uh, you know, we might feel when our team wins. So in the course of using this curriculum in the elementary school, the goal has been to help students who usually do not have very well-developed emotional vocabulary understand how their body feels in each of the different zones and start to develop the vocabulary associated with the different zones. And in our experience, students understand it very quickly. And while they may not always have the vocabulary to say, I'm feeling really frustrated or I'm you know, excited about something, they can identify that they are moving into the yellow zone. At the same point, while they might not 
you know, always be able to say they're not, they're feeling sad or tired or they're bored, they can say that they are in the blue zone. Um, so I have appreciated using this program to help students start to be gain awareness of their emotional state and to recognize there's no wrong or bad emotion. It's just, you know, we experience a variety of emotions in the course of our day and they change. Our, you know, we can experience an emotion in the morning that could be different later that morning and again later in the afternoon. So one of the things that has been helpful is using it at the elementary level where there's uniformity across classes and a broad, you know, so that everyone kind of is using the same language in helping students and staff developed increased awareness about their emotional state during the school day. Is there anything else you wanted me to address, Rhonda? No, I think that you really touched on a lot of the great aspects that the zones of regulation, you know, bring into, you know, a classroom setting. Um, parents, if you're interested or schools you're interested, you know, a book that we have followed by Leah Cooper's, you know, it's... Uh, it gives you activities. It gives you um, things to do. It gives you reproducibles and printables, you know, that you can share with your teachers. Um, comes on a great CD. Uh, it was a really good way for us to, to kind of, you know, visualize and learn about the process. And, you know, Ms. Spann talked about it a lot with the child in the red zone hiding under a desk climbing through a cubby you know this is the child that bolts from the classroom and the teacher's like ah, what do I do um, so through the language of this program and through the uniformity that we've brought throughout the entire school you know the student is able to look at the teacher and the teacher is able to say are you feeling angry? Are you in the red zone right now? And a child that can't even talk because they're so mad can nod and say, yes, yes, I am. I am feeling upset. I am angry right now. And by just the mere way of recognizing how someone feels allows them to make the next step in order to move themselves through the zones to get back to a green, a place where they're ready to learn. Uh, parents have sent me emails saying, my son just said that he's in the yellow zone. Can you tell me more about this? <laughs> and so, you know, I would have a really great dialogue with the parents. And that's something we're going to talk about later in the program, you know, next steps and how we have involved our school community. Um, the beauty of our Zen Zones kind of way that we've manipulated these programs allows us to talk about SEL even in um, an equity concept. You know, there's, there's kids that if they don't have access to this program or the language that we're using, in my opinion, it puts them at a disadvantage because we want our students to communicate. We want our students to feel valued. And by keeping this as a school-wide systematic program, that language is consistent. Um, so those kids, you know, that have different emotional feelings still can all, you know, act and, and incorporate this program. Um, they say that awareness, awareness is one of those steps for change in order to happen. So even the children and the adults in the building took this chance to learn about the colors and how they relate to themselves. Francis just mentioned being in the blue zone. You know, by this point of the day, you know, we're dragging, you know, we're tired and you have already handled the weight of the world on your shoulders at school all day. And then you go home to your families and you wonder, do I have enough? So uh, Mrs. Wingler in our next segment is going to tell us about ways to physically re-energize your body in order to promote yourself through those different zones or a way that you can get yourself to a spot where you're able to handle another four or five hours doing homework with your children or you know, if someone had a bad day at work, you could handle your significant other by giving them strategies to help them feel better. Um, so this matters. This program really matters. It, it has helped our school community. Um, it helps, you know, manage life circumstances. It helps the children understand that their own thoughts and opinions matter. 
they come to school with so much, especially in this, this COVID era. They come to school and they wonder about, you know, is so-and-so sick or how am I feeling or am I safe or I don't like my mask or I'm uncomfortable. And allowing our children to communicate how they're feeling, maybe by just pointing to a color card. That way they can make their thoughts known and the teacher can address them without putting it as a, as a threatening way for this child to communicate. So we have uh, to- Rhonda, can I ask a question? Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm, I'm wondering, your school is graded, uh, uh, I guess, PK through four, is correct. that correct? Yes. Yeah. So how does how does how do these zones get differentiated amongst the grade levels? I mean, are are, are you seeing that it is harder to implement this um, maybe in one grade over another? That's the beauty of the program. It, it it is so versatile for our very very youngest children. You know that colors are their world right now. So pointing to a color or you know making faces, you know to de demonstrate the different ways of each color, and then you take it to a fourth grade level. You have to you have to make it a little bit more exciting for them because they're the cool kids now. They don't want to be making faces about colors but they can do uh, scenarios or acting out skits or designing a poster, you know, being artistic and, you know, problem solving among their peers. It has been a challenge when we tried to carry it over to our middle school because the middle school students are like, what? You want me to what? <laughs> I'm not doing that. You know, the adults are very susceptible, but our older students are not. And so that's one of our works in progress to figure out how we can really make it better for our older students. But, you know, creative teachers are amazing and they have they've come up with stuff that even we haven't. That's great. I, I'm, I'm just thinking that, uh, you know, um, in your school, the fourth graders are the, the cool kids, but then the following year, they're, they're the not so cool kids, right? When they get up to the middle school. Yes, but fortunately, by that point, they have the base of this program in their back pocket and they may not need to vocalize it, but at least they can understand how they're feeling. And we've already given them the tips and the strategies that they need to get themselves through the zone in a secret type of way where their peers don't even know that they're doing it. Well, this is a good opportunity to take a short break. You're listening to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. And welcome back to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. I am Tim Fredericks, along with my co-host, Fran Gavin, here in the studio this evening with uh, doctoral student Rhonda Porras and a couple of special guests. And uh, Rhonda, I'm turning it back uh, to you for the uh, second segment. Thank you, Dr. Fredericks. I would love to introduce you now to our valued member of our team, Mrs. Millie Wingler. She has really helped us take this program to another level by spending time with the teachers and showing them how to make this pro program work. And she has the most relaxing, wonderful voice, and she can just take you and to a totally different world just by reading scenarios and, and making you feel so special. Um, so before we have a chance to enjoy the talents of Mrs. Wingler, she is going to give you a brief overview of Zensational Kids. So Mrs. Wingler? Well, thank you for that intro, Rhonda. Now we'll just make sure that my voice doesn't quiver on live radio. <laughs> um, yeah, so Zensational Kids, um, working on the child study team with Francis uh, Span, we knew that our students needed um, a way to fill their toolboxes with activities that would bring them back to the green zone in zones of regulation. That's where they are ready to learn. Thumbs up, I'm ready to go, I'm calm. And uh, we heard about a program called Sensational Kids. And I encouraged our whole child study team, which we don't get out to do fun things often. 
Um, but we all went to the training and it was put on by Allison Morgan, who is a pediatric occupational therapist and a registered Yoga Alliance teacher. Uh, she's worked in hospitals and in schools for over 25 years. And, you know, she said in the beginning of her program, as an OT, you often work with self-regulation. You often work with uh, breathing techniques and mindfulness and movement activities. But those were the students she got to see. She wanted to um, let all of the students within the schools and settings that she taught in receive the benefits of mindfulness, breathing techniques, movement, and yoga. So she created Sensational Kids. She does have uh, varied programs for different leveled learners. As Rhonda said, the program that we were trained in, Educate2B, is adaptable to younger and early elementary school students. But she does have a program called Young Explorers for the early childhood set. She has another one. As I said, we took the Educate2B for K-5. Um, it's a curriculum to develop skills of self-regulation, focus, resilience, utilizing breath, movement, mindfulness tools, and to improve behavior, self-control, emotional regulation, and increase the ability for this age level to cope. Uh, beyond that, you know, our middle school has started to look at everyday mindfulness, which is her program for 6th to 12th grade. Uh, students, you know, so we are looking into that. But um, the Educate to Be just was an amazing place for us to work with Rhonda, as she said. Um, when she was teaching a challenging class, we uh, jumped in with our training. It was a good chance to practice what we had learned, and it was a good chance to look at the zones of regulation training that Francis had received and figure out how we could combine both programs. Um, educate to be consists of various breathing activities, movement activities, and then there are mindful meditations. So when you are trained, you receive um, a wonderful manual and then the guidance to uh, take you through. So the wonderful thing about it, it is organized with activities also color-coded for calming, energizing, focusing, to be positively connected to others, and then those activities when you're ready to learn. So they're really organized in a nice way that they... Um, they enhance uh, the tools in the toolkit for zones of regulation. So when we're looking at a student who is in the, let's say, yellow zone, uh, where they might be feeling anxious or worried about a test, we actually paired some of the breathing activities, the movement activities um, that were calming. So we looked at um, all of the activities under the calming category, and we found all the breathing exercises, all the movement exercises, and then the meditations that we could do to help that student go to their toolbox, find those activities with the help of a teacher, and bring them back to green. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to learn. I'm focused. We actually even created uh, folders for the teachers and the students to practice um, activities that were paired with each zone. Um, when we first started, we actually worked with the teachers each morning to teach the new pose of the week, the new breathing activity, and the mindfulness meditation. Then they went back to their classroom and talked about how these tools would help a student get back to the green zone. Um, it was definitely a, a lot of conversation and until the children 
and the teacher knew, oh boy, my class is looking a little worried about this test. I'm going to pull out the yellow folder, which had the breathing techniques, the movement techniques, and the uh, meditation. And really, it just takes about 10 minutes to go through all three. And, you know, Rhonda can speak more to this, but she actually had placed little dials on her student's desk that had the various zone colors. And after I would go in or Rhonda would lead an activity, you know, she would have all of the students start looking at their little dial on their desk. If they were feeling anxious, they would put it to yellow. If they were feeling a little sad or blue, they'd put it to the blue color. If they were feeling angry or frustrated, they might put it to red. And typically, we would do this after recess, and no one was really in the green zone ready to learn. But after a few uh, mindfulness activities, breathing activities, and some movement, nine times out of 10, those students moved their dial to green and said they were feeling much, much better. So, you know, being positively connected, being ready to learn um, is the goal of the program. And, um, you know, the training is wonderful and available. It's just a one-day training for educators and therapists. Um, but there are great uh, resources available online, too, for parents as well. And um, Allison Morgan has also uh, been quite active during uh, school closure to help teachers also uh, stay calm, energized, and focused, um, and positively con connected during this uh, really hard time of the pandemic closure in schools. So if you don't mind, I, I have a question, and it's kind of a, a lead into um, these uh, techniques to help uh, modulate uh, emotional variances. Uh, do you find... Uh, that in the current pandemic situation, that uh, the students have a, a higher level of anxiety than you did than you found before, like more a little over a year ago. And then, secondly, compared to a dozen years ago, are kids coming in more tense and anxious? And uh, any idea what might be causing that? Sure. And is that directed to Rhonda or to myself? Anybody who uh, has insight on it, um, you know, I know that uh, that social emotional learning and uh, many of these techniques, uh, mindfulness and the like, uh, have become uh, de rigueur in a lot of the in, in schools. But I'm I'm trying to I'm just inquiring as to where, where does this all come from, and as as the pandemic uh, exacerbated the situation. And you guys are the experts, so uh, I'm wondering what you see. Yeah, I can I can speak to that a little bit. You know, sitting here on the uh, child study team, um, you know, my role is that of case manager, and also um, I complete academic testing for students who have special needs and create IEPs. Um, but I do, you know, see the additional stress. Um, you know. There's a greater rate of mental health disorders in schools, behavioral challenges, developmental and learning challenges. Um, you know, educators are just confronted with this need for social emotional care in the classroom uh, to know their students in a different way. Um, I, you know, look at, of course, the pandemic with school closure, um, the, you know, the information that's available to them about uh, illness, you know, and uh, just the scary parts of the pandemic that have been um, broadcasted on the TV, internet, um, they see and hear a lot. And, uh, you know, they are digital natives, but they are also exposed to a lot more than we were uh, growing up. I had a sense that... Um the level of anxiety uh, in students had increased even before the pandemic. My experience is primarily in the high school, and I absolutely have observed that over the years. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with the exterior um, 
compulsion to be super achievers uh, and uh, an intolerance towards mistakes. And we all know mistakes are a good way to learn. So um, I was wondering uh, on the uh, primary and elementary levels, if that, that level of anxiety is also high and what might the cause of that be? Um, uh, so, so that there's a, a deeper understanding that when these techniques are applied, that we're, we're not only treating the symptom, but perhaps also addressing the underlying cause. You can't see me over here nodding my head, but I absolutely am with those comments. Um, you know, the younger children, they, they feel exactly what you're mentioning with your older students that you know of. Uh, they just don't know how to handle those feelings as well. You know, and I, and I agree, before the pandemic, our children were feeling increasingly more stressed out every year. And I think of a lot of it relates to the technology and always being on, you know, like through a text or through a Snapchat or through a, 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 a computer game that you're playing that has a chat feature. You know, children are so sensitive that if someone makes a comment, they, they feel that and they hold that and they bring that with them. Uh, and that's, you know, why this program is so important. We're teaching them how to channel those feelings uh, of inadequacy or, you know, not being good enough or, you know, I didn't get as many likes as so-and-so on whatever. <laughs> um, so, yes, they're feeling it. They're feeling that stress. And, you know, this is just one of those things that we can do to to lessen that and to teach them how to you know, overcome those feelings. I think that's really important. Millie, I have a question for you. Um, you know, based on, you know, your descriptions, is, is it um, possible that the, uh, the room itself, the physical surroundings of the room could be a triggering um, um, mechanism for these kids uh, that, that could set them off and and how can this program kind of address that? You know, we're, we're all in the same room, but there may be things in the room. It may be other students. It may be, it may be something in the room that's creating that. Uh, what do you think about that? I absolutely agree. Um, I've done previous workshops where I've actually called the teacher, you know, the classroom, the third teacher, the physical space just can impact um, a child's behavior. You know, um, we look in an overstimulating classroom with so many visuals um, on the walls. We look at the fluorescent lighting. We look at the hard surface furniture. Um, we look at the chairs where they have to sit. And, you know, they're not the most comfortable chairs <laughs> in the elementary school. You know, even for teachers, um, you know, it was a big deal when we, we got our rolly chairs that had, um, you know, soft cushions like administration did. It definitely um, plays a part, the classroom environment, um, you know, even adding a little calming music to the day. I used to have students who would, would ask me to put on the writing music because they just got used to classical music playing in the background that would help them ease into their, their writing activities. So definitely, um, the more you can do with your physical space to create soft edges, um, you know, less visuals, um, less distracting materials, that surely is, is a big part of creating a Zen zone, so to speak, um, where they can come and be ready to learn. And in the classroom that Rhonda had, she actually had a relaxation station where the children could go over, even if, you know, once they learned uh, the techniques and learned about the zones, they could go over and uh, take some time to try and exercise by themselves. Um, creating a space for that is, is definitely needed, especially in public schools. Um, you know, now it's difficult. You know, I think we were going towards um, more comfortable seating or alternate um, seating. You know, kids could sit on the floor with a pillow. We're not there right now because we're separated by six feet. So we're back in desks with masks on. But hopefully, um, you know, as we continue to learn more about the value of that space 
we can create those those soft edges in the classroom. Well, this is a, a, another opportunity to uh, take a short break. Um, we have uh, Rhonda Pervoris and her two uh, wonderful guests, Millie uh, Wingler and Francis Spann, uh, talking about social-emotional learning. You're listening to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. And we're back on Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. Fran Gavin, Tim Fredericks, your host in the studio, welcoming Rhonda Pavoris, our doctoral student who's curating uh, this evening's program. And Rhonda, uh, turning it back over to you for uh, our third and final segment. Thank you. I am really enjoying the nice dialogue that we have rolling about this program. Um, but with any good program, in order to be successful, you need to have buy-in. You need to have buy-in from everyone, especially the community. And so in order to make our community excited and aware and supportive, uh, you know, there are a few different things that we did to involve the community. And one of the biggest things was we had a PTA-sponsored parent night, and it was it was great. I wish you could have seen a picture of it, but uh, you know the members of the child study team and myself we all wore different colored T-shirts, and so each one of us had dressed up to represent each one of the zones. And we had it in the library, and you were supposed to bring a yoga mat because Mrs. Mingler did her magical yoga things to to kind of calm down the room. And so each one of us were able to, you know, tell the community what, what we were doing, why it was important, and why that we felt that it was important to, you know, be everlasting and prolonging within the elementary school. And so we, we were very representative and very visual of the zones. You know, I, I had a blue shirt on, so I acted sad. And I showed the different ways that the blue zone could present itself to, to people. So that was really great. Um, you know, we, we learned and we moved. And, you know, the students were really excited to show their parents what they had been doing at school. Uh, so that, that was a really great thing that we did. Um, the families came, we, we practiced, and the PTA was very generous and gave us $500 towards supplies, you know, the Zones of Regulations books and the, the Zen Zones, um, the Educate to Be programs with, they have um, task cards that present to you a pose and then, you know, how to do it in a kid-friendly way. Um, so these, these poses, very, very simple. Some of them could be very obvious where you sit and you close your eyes and you have thoughts or others could be, you know, very bold and blatant warrior poses from, from yoga types instances. Um, but we always knew that there was the student that really didn't feel comfortable doing these things in front of their peers. And so Mrs. Wingler and Mrs. Spann always had things in their pockets, back, back ways to get these students to, to participate. Simple things by sitting in your chair and taking your hands and putting them under you and pressing down on the seat very, very hard. You know, that's something I've done in meetings where I felt very, very uncomfortable. And, you know, I, I just, I was feeling into the blue zone and actually getting rather close to the red zone in certain meetings. Um, so sometimes I will put my hand underneath my chair and just press down. No one knows I'm doing it, but it's making me feel better. Um, so our community got a chance to see all of this in action, and it was really a very valuable experience. A lot of great feedback we received from that. Um, the teachers, like Mrs. Wingler said, they all have folders, a red, a green, a yellow, and a blue folder. And in that folder are activities for the students to do, um, the toolbox where the teacher could actually leave the materials accessible for the student so that if a student needed an independent time visiting those materials, they have the, the right and the ability to do that. Um, the teachers met with us, uh, I'd say about once or twice a week in the beginning of the year. And this was last year before COVID started and we could do things like this, um, but we would learn a new pose, a new breathing activity, 
Um, I had no idea that your ears have very sensitive spots on them where if you can, you know, can rub your ears, it's a very, very calming technique. Um, so, so we learned, all of us, we learned so very much. And then we brought them back to the class. And three times a day, we would stop the school and make an announcement and say, okay, everyone, please take these next three minutes and just practice the activity that your teacher is going to talk about with you. And the whole school would drop all academics and just spend those three minutes learning a new activity so that they could use this activity if they needed to at home, at school, on the bus, wherever. Um, so the, the teachers did it. They were very diligent and, and it was a great school-wide activity. And the student council took the opportunity to meet with me and let me know what was working and what wasn't. Because as we know, all programs that we disseminate into our schools, we have the best intentions, but you really do need the feedback of the children in order to make it successful. So there were a few tweaks that we did throughout last school year. Um, and, it, and it really did, the students had ownership in it once we made those, those adjustments and they, they, they really appreciated that we took their feedback. Um, the teachers gave their feedback as well. They're, you know, we like this or this was too much or this is driving me crazy. And you know, the CST, this child study team and I, we would come together and we would tweak it and make it even better. Um, and so we just really have a great program but what I found was lacking overall was time. Time to get to know the class, time to use these activities and practice them without the pressure of, I'm missing math time to do this. I, I'm going to be late for, for specials if we do this. And so what I did for this school year, this current school year, even with our COVID type schedule, is that I implemented a tiger time block into every single class and because we are the Union Township Tigers. And so each one of those, those blocks, the teacher had the freedom to go over these activities and to build a community with their class. You know, let's talk, let's just talk about who you are and, and what makes you you. And it really, that team building laid a really great foundation this year so that we could keep using the zones of regulation, the Zen Zones program that we're doing and really make it meaningful and, and, and useful throughout the school. And so we would do this and now I don't stop the school three times a day, but the teachers stop their class when they know a whole class needs an activity or they need a regrouping. And so, we're taking their feedback and there's a lot more things that I'd like to do moving forward. And that's the beauty of this program. We started it, we've implemented it, but we know there's many more great things to do. Um, so I created a sensory walk within the school and our youngest students, you know, they get fidgety. And so every once in a while I'll be in the hallway and I'll see a kid playing hopscotch in the hallway or, you know, playing with the letters that are, uh, you know, ad adhered to the wall. And it's, it's been amazing watching students say the words, I am red right now. I'm going to play hopscotch. And then you watch the student and you can see, you know, the colors drain out of them back into a place where they feel more green zone, more ready to learn. So moving forward, I would like to actually paint the walls red, yellow, blue, and green, and just have some very visual activities on those walls that can be visited by the students, by their classes, you know, when we're able to open the school back up by their families and just use the expertise that I've been blessed with in order to create a, an area that's great for the students. Um, so you think about all that and you think about how you can, you know, move forward and make this something that we all have ownership in. And it's a work in progress, of course. Uh, so we try to find outside sources too, to, to make the kids, you know, 
be excited about it because things get stale. And so I found the Great Kindness Challenge. It's a, a worldwide activity that students can participate in. And this year we made links of love, which were long flat pieces of cardboard made from recyclable cardboard like cereal boxes. And we mailed them all off to California. Every student made one and they're going to assemble them in California so that it's going to be the longest link chain in the world. So we're going to be a part of that Guinness Book of World Records challenge that has been created. So we'll have to keep you updated on that. Um, but we're constantly trying new, new ways, new energy type activities to keep the excitement going. We don't want this to be one of those things where people are like, I have to what? <laughs> so we, we were keeping it fresh. Um, but every once in a while to keep it consistent, I always uh, call on Mrs. Wingler that maybe she could get on the announcements and read one of her amazing type relaxational I don't know, stories maybe, Millie, is what you would call them. And I'm hoping that we have the opportunity where she could share something like that with you this evening. So I'm going to stop talking and turn it over to Mrs. Wengler, and you can share with us, you know, whatever, whatever you think is best to wrap up this idea we're talking about. Okay. Well, I figured since uh, we did talk a little bit about being in the blue zone at the end of the day, even though... Rhonda Francis and I are excited about this program and hopefully um, some of the listeners are too and would like to learn more. But for you who are still needing a little bit of energy to do the next thing on your to-do list when you get home, I thought we'd start with the energy ball breathing technique. And as I said um, before, all of the um, exercises are coded and this one is coded as a focus activity. So it would definitely be, you know, if you were tired or just feeling lethargic, it would be a way to get your energy back. So I'll read through the directions and you can follow along with me. Sit with your spine straight and make the shape of the earth with your hands. Let the tip of each finger on your right hand meet the tip of each finger on your left. Now press your fingers together. Imagine that you are holding a ball of energy in your hands. Inhale through your nose and imagine the energy growing as you begin to draw your hands apart. So in through your nose, as you're breathing in, your hands draw apart and are spread out wide to the sides of you. Then as you exhale, you contain the energy in your hands again, bringing your fingers back together to the starting position. Continue to grow the energy ball as you fill your body with breath and move your hands apart. Then draw them back in together with each exhale. Try again. Breathing in, stretching out, and exhale, bringing them in, touching each finger together. Now, try and close your eyes, and as you inhale, bring your hands apart, closing your eyes, and now as you inhale, bring them together, and touching the fingers without opening your eyes. We always end on a group breath. Everybody breathe in and everybody breathe out. And that is called the energy ball. And you would do that, you know, a few, few rounds of that. You could just feel, see where the children were. Um, and then we might move into uh, a movement exercise. So this one, I just pulled out tall tree. Um, most people are familiar with tree pose. It's uh, a pose to help again with focus. As I said, these great cards that the PTA, PTA provided for us are all coded. 
This is another exercise for focus. <clears throat> so I would have everybody stand up now and with both feet, hip width distance apart, stand straight. Your hands are at your side in the midline position, palms touching, and decide where you're going to post your tree branch. So tree pose is where you bring the bottom of your foot to either your ankle or maybe your calf, or maybe if you are flexible, you can pull that tree branch up to your thigh. One foot remains stable on the floor and the other, as said, moves to the ankle, below the knee or above the knee. Once you've established your balance with your hand and midline, See if you can remain balanced for three to five breaths. Now this, you know, it's another um, place where you can talk about how we all have different strengths. You can differentiate, you can modify the pose. The pose. Um, you can have some children hold on to the wall to gain their balance. Um, some children are starting at their ankle, some below the knee, above the knee, wherever they need to be. You definitely talk about how that is just fine in the classroom. Okay, and then lastly, <clears throat> um, well, I should say, whenever you do a pose on one side, you do it on the other. So we would do our tree pose on the other side and then hold that as well. Okay, and then lastly, we would go into a focusing activity for uh, as a meditation. So this one we've done as a classroom and it's where we hold hands together and we send around positive energy. So if everybody was holding hands, um, the leader would first uh, squeeze the hand to the right of them and then that person would take that energy, squeeze the next hand and the next. It would go around the circle as a wave um, and in order for everybody to be able to feel the energy passing, they would keep their bodies still and quiet and passing the energy to the next person. We don't squeeze too hard because that breaks the energy, but we just send on our positive energy. And we do this with our eyes closed. And when the children have opened their eyes, you can just see you know, the extra energy that they've gained from each other. So that's kind of how the 10 minutes in class would go. You know, you would stretch it out, but um, hopefully um, that was enough to share for an energizing activity, knowing that there are uh, other activities that go along with calming, energizing, and being positively connected. I feel better already. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Um, you know, those are one of those things that, you know, I, I, I pull while I'm driving, I pull while I'm sitting, and I'm just so grateful for your expertise. And Ms. Pan, I'm so grateful for your expertise as well. So thank you for being such a great team with me tonight. You're thank welcome. You, Rhonda. And thank you, uh, uh, Rhonda, for putting this together. It was a wonderful show. You've been listening to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org. 